Welcome to the Resonant Rest Podcast. My name is Ocean. This episode will feature a conversation I had with an artist named Carmina Ray. Carmina is a singer-songwriter, sometimes voice teacher, who I met because we attended Selkirk College for music at different times. We talked about a lot of things. I hope you enjoy listening to our conversation. Here we go. What does creativity look like in your life? And how does music play into it? Do you have particular rituals or practice routines you want to share? Not so much. See, I really wanted to be a person that could have rituals and that could like be consistent. But I'm really just now starting to realize that that is not me. Like I can't. I tried to be a person that would wake up at the same time oh, and yeah. do the same things. I just, I can't. And I think the biggest thing that's helped me like with creativity is being okay with that. Mm. Um, and not being like, oh, like it's 12 o'clock on a Wednesday and I'm not <laughs> recording my demos. What am I doing? Because that just makes me hate doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, and especially like locking down last year. I hate it because everyone keeps saying mm. this, but it was really helpful in just like being a little bit kinder to myself when mm-hmm. I'm not being super productive. But Totally. Yeah, I like that. Like, I feel like I'm similar. I don't like to focus on productivity when it comes to songwriting, especially. I like I don't like to sit down and force myself to write songs. I write songs because I have a song in my head and I need to write it down. And I kind of just like vomit one out like every month or two. Yeah. And it just if you let it happen, like it happens. Yeah. Um, I remember when we, because I don't know, you met a lot of the same teachers as actually, actually yeah. as I did at Selkirk. Some, I don't even remember who said it, but someone said that you can't wait for inspiration. It's got to be discipline. And that's got to be mm. like the most useless thing that I've ever been told. <laughs> like that didn't work for me. I can't discipline myself into writing. I, I'll just, um, I will write. Like sometimes you have to discipline if it's your job. Um, but for me, like I don't really see myself as a person that's going to be like, a song machine Mm -hmm. you know that's just not really what I want to do yeah that's great I love that I love that a lot (laughs) people can't really see Uh, so much of my whole thing is in facial expressions so podcasting is maybe not my yeah Carmina just gave us an open-toothed smile I was like I love that and Carmina was like open-toothed smile (laughs) (laughs) cool to balance Creative time, resting time, everything else. To balance everything you need to balance, do you just, like, let it happen? Do you set goals? Are you, like, a scheduler? What do you imagine when you imagine a life with enough time to do everything you want to do? So I'm trying to build that now. Um, I am the worst person to ask this question to because I'm so bad at it. (laughs) Like, on the one hand, I talk about, like, wanting to let myself work when I work. But Mm. on the other hand, I'm like... I have Capricorn everywhere in my birth chart and it's just like I do make all these lists and then I get really mad when I don't get everything done. Mm. So I'm trying to not do that. I'm Mm. trying to just let things happen when they happen. And for me, because I'm gigging like three times a week now, I I give myself a little bit more leeway in my head. Mm -hmm. Like you you were playing music all week. It's okay if you don't want to play music today. Yeah. But that's for me the big thing. I think it's going to be different for everyone because there are some people that like won't do it and then we'll feel crappy for not doing it 
Hmm. But for me, I'm like really, I bully myself. So I try to let myself not do it Mm. sometimes. Yeah. I was thinking about lists and how I really like to use lists as a tool. And I like to use them in a way that I have like many lists. I have like a big list of things that I have to do at some point. And then I also make tiny lists for specific days where I'm like, okay, September 29th, I'm going to wash my sheets, eat three meals, and also email this one person. And then I'm like, these are the things I need to do today. And then once I've done them, it helps to like have had a list and be like, I've decided to do this very small list of things today and now I can do whatever the hell I want (laughs) that would be I need to start doing that more sometimes I do it I for me it's kind of like a like a slippery slope though because I'll spend Mm. an entire day writing 20 lists oh yeah I definitely do that too and then like not complete the list yeah it's true um but it is really helpful especially with like because a lot of the work that I do now is at home like Mm -hmm. if I'm only gigging a couple days a week then when I'm home I'm meant to be working on songs and doing things Mm -hmm. Uh, and if I don't have a list, I forget to eat because like you're at home, you're like, I ate like two minutes ago, but it's been hours because I've been in my room playing guitar. Like, anyway, that's funny. I try my best. I asked this question to Angelica the other day and my friend who I was also interviewing and they were like talking about how rest and creative practice are not necessarily separate. Because I'm, like, talking about balancing, like, time to create and time to rest. But for them, they were saying it was, like, very intertwined. And I thought that was interesting. And it also made me just reflect on how I, like, worded that question and how I thought of that question. And I thought of them as, like, very separate things rather than, like, things that could be interdependent and coexist in somebody's life, which is more like reality. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially if you use creativity as a way to process things like Mm. then it does it does become something that can be really restful or at least cathartic if anything Mm -hmm. um i'm not there yet (laughs) we're working on it so yeah rest is like so hard too i find rest so hard i guess i feel i feel valid when i'm being productive i guess that's what i'm saying yeah yeah yeah, and that's hard because it's really hard to separate. Like, we live in this capitalist society that tells you your value is, like, in how much you can produce. Mm-hmm. It's silliness. Yeah. Like, that's not what people are going to be saying at your funeral. Like, she was so productive. It's not, <laughs> I don't know. Well, maybe they will. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not going to be there. Like, yeah. <laughs> but... That's so funny. The, like, what will people say at your funeral thing? Part of me wonders if people will even have a funeral for me, but probably. I guess logically. Yeah. Realistically. I just want to be left on a mountain Mm. and eaten by vultures. Like, Mm. that's what I want. If that wasn't very illegal, that's Mm. what I would do. Is it illegal? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I was thinking, I was thinking about dying the other day, and I was thinking, (laughs) this sounds very dark. I was thinking about how nice it would be to just be wrapped in dirt. Right. And I was like, do you need to do you need to have a coffin? Like, what if you were just wrapped in dirt and you just like just like I don't know, 
Maybe some animal would eat you. Maybe maggots would just eat you. That's what I want, though. Like, I just want to be <laughs> part of the ground again. I don't want to be put in, like, like, what is, like, what do they do when they embalm you? Like, you I don't, don't even, do you biodegrade at that point? I don't know. It's the whole thing. I don't, yeah. I wonder if they, like, I guess there's, like, biodegradable coffins. Right. But it just seems weird. Yeah, I would rather just be put in the ground. But then I think you have issues with, like, sinkholes. Oh, really? I have no idea. Okay. I just said that, but I don't think it's true. <laughs> okay. Wow. That took a turn. Um, anyway. <laughs> anyway. Um, okay. How do you sustain yourself? We could talk about income or food or how you feed your spirit or anything that comes up when you think of sustaining yourself. See, this is another one because I'm bad at it. I just keep going and going until I can't, which I'm trying to stop doing. Um, Like you're not feeling sustained right now at all? Like, no, I mean, there are things that that I do, like, like, for example, like pole dancing, I think is really Mm. helpful, like joyful movement and Mm. doing creative things that don't have anything to do with making money. Mm. Um, Those are really helpful. But I do find that I sometimes we'll take those things and just like run with them until I can't do anything anymore Hmm. um so balance is something that I think is gonna be the theme of this year for me (laughs) the theme of this year this next coming year hopefully 2022 you mean yeah Mm -hmm. yeah because now that things are like starting to um be busy and open again I'm trying to like resist the urge to overbook myself Mm. but at the same time underbooking myself is bad too because I do sustain myself in like feeling i don't know like if i'm not doing anything either i get really bored mm. and like understimulated like you like being busy i do i do yeah. um but i think i have to find a good balance between like i like i genuinely enjoy doing things and mm-hmm. being busy versus if i'm not doing anything i'm a worthless person yeah well i'm not saying yeah you are worth no no I, 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 I understand yeah. you yeah <laughs> this is like a, an artist musician thing though like, yeah absolutely do you think about basic income ever all the time this i'm annoying about it yeah like i'll literally walk past the self-checkout at the grocery store and be like Mm -hmm. this is why we need universal basic income like anything is enough to trigger people just don't talk to me about it anymore i'm just thinking about it because um we listen to podcasts about it and he like reads stuff about it like all the time and one of the things people say is like against basic income is that people need jobs because people need to be busy. Right. And it's interesting. I feel like in your answer I'm hearing, you were like, um, creative things that don't bring income sustain you. And also, you like to be busy. Yeah. And I I people like to be productive. It just... Mm -hmm. I'm over being productive to make other people money. Yeah. Or myself money even, really. And I think it also, oh, this is like a whole thing. Mm-hmm. I think that it really neglects the value in things that are traditionally feminine. This is this becomes this whole thing where like, because building community is productive, taking care of your family is productive, cleaning your house is productive, yeah. cooking meals for your loved ones, and these are all like traditional feminine tasks. Oh, and they're not valued in the same way. Like, mm. like raising kids is productive. I don't want to do that, but like, <laughs> yeah. it all, it, yeah. It, the, does that make sense? Like, I hear just, you. Yeah. Yeah. Totally, and I think yeah. that's silly. 
It's interesting, like, making other people money and making yourself money. I think as you're making yourself money, you are adding value to the lives of other people as well. You're, like, giving something there. You're, you are kind of, like... And most of us, through our labor, are making other people money, which is part of the issue, I think, with our current system. Yeah, and I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to say, like, it's not okay to make other people money or whatever, but when your entire existence is just that and you don't even have time to do the labor to sustain your own life and your own community... Like, even if we had UBI, people would still be working towards mm-hmm. other things. Like, yeah, just because you don't work at Walmart for minimum wage doesn't mean that you're not <laughs> being productive. Like, so many more people would volunteer, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I guess I I might go so far as to say that making money for other people most often, for me, is wrong. Yeah. I don't know how else to put it. I feel like I'm thinking about I worked for someone for a while and I I was teaching piano lessons in my own home, in my own space, and she was giving me the clients. Right. Right. And I was making a wage that's above like minimum wage. I'm doing air air fingers here for mm-hmm. people listening. Above whatever it's it was like twenty six dollars an hour, right? Yeah. Which is fine. That's fine. I mean, that's also why I quit teaching. Yeah, right? It's so... um, This is my home, my space, my skills. Yeah, and she was giving me students, but she couldn't handle the students in her own schedule. And then finally I had a talk with her and I was like, hey, like, I just feel like this is not working for me. And part of the contract was like, you're not allowed to discuss your wage with anyone, you know, you're not allowed to. And I was like wanting a bit of extra money. So I was like, not going to ask questions at first. And then I realized I was super uncomfortable with it. And then I asked her how much she was charging for lessons. And it turns out she was taking something like 40 percent. Right. And she was undercharging for lessons. Absolutely. She should she should be charging more. I hope she is now because I was like. You know, I charge $30 for a half hour. Right. Like, and she was paying 20, she was paying me $26 an hour. Right. And she was charging, like, it might have been $21 for a half hour lesson or something like that, which is way below market now. By the way, for anyone listening, if you're charging that, charge more. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I feel like we have to have conversations about that. Yeah. And I think, too, we're talking about two different sides of it. Because for me, I'm like, I understand why someone would want to work under someone else. And hmm. not want all of the responsibility of being a business owner. Um, okay. But when we when we start talking about like the the other side of it, the people that are making that money, mm-hmm. it does become exploitive really fast. Yeah, and I think um, there are models that exist. Like I'm giving the teacher example because that's like a normal thing in teaching studios around this city. Right. People will pay something like thirty dollars an hour and they will be charging like, you know, they'll be taking about 40 percent. I think that's normal. And maybe if it's your space and you're paying rent, maybe that makes sense for you. But I think there's like a transparency thing that that needs to be happening that isn't happening. Yeah. And I think most people's business models rely on underpaid labor. And, like, you can't actually run your business without people doing those jobs. 
So how valuable is it really, right? Yeah, exactly. Only as valuable as we accept. And you really see it now that like there are labor shortages in so many places, and especially in the food industry. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Like you can't, you either tell people to get better jobs or you treat them, pro- you know what I mean? Because you get upset when nobody wants to work. Yeah. But then you tell them when you treat them poorly that they should just get a better job. Yeah. It's silliness. There's so much crap in the service industry though like yeah oh i'm sure a lot of musicians yeah <laughs> end up dealing with both yeah it's true it's true yeah anyways me rambling do, 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 do. great do you have dreams about the future a musical dream a creative dream like what are your dreams oh my goodness See, I I have only recently started thinking about the future because mm. for the longest time I was like, you know what, I am just going to because I didn't grow up with a lot of money either. I was like, we're never I'm not going to own a house. I'm not going to mm-hmm. do this. Um, so I just kind of whatever. I've only recently been like, oh, you know what? Actually, maybe I should save for something <laughs> for something. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but I do want to move. Like I my my future is not in Canada. Mm. I'm going to move somewhere warmer. Um, oh, yeah, I want to move to Australia, actually. Right. Yeah. Your partner is from Australia, yeah. right? Okay. Yeah, exactly. But I think, like, I, I think about this a lot now where I'm like, if we, because there are places where we, we could kind of live more on the coast and have a house and I could teach from my house and not mm. have to give any of my income to anyone. And also, I think my big thing with that, too, is that, like, I'm a little bit more self-sustaining and I don't feel so complicit and so much of the because right now honestly sometimes I do sometimes I think about like I oh what do I want to say yeah. <laughs> I don't know like there are a lot of things where I'm like I kind of hate this whole system I hate the way this is all set up but I kind of have to be part of it mm. what parts of of what system are you talking about specifically um I don't know how to explain it this is something I think about all the time, and it's like so ingrained in my brain now that I'm like, how do I how do I take it outside of my brain? Mm. Just things like even what we were talking about before with like lessons and like, mm-hmm. especially I think what really showed it to me was when we locked down and I was doing everything from my house mm. and like scheduling things mostly myself at this point because it's all online. Yeah, and still making the same amount of money. Like that's that's a little bit weird. Or even just, like, taking gigs that I know don't pay as well as they should. Right. Yeah. You know, it's kind of hard because on the one hand, this is my job, so (laughs) I need to pay rent. But on the other hand, it's like this does kind of... I was talking to to Ian Cromwell about this, actually, Mm. a little while ago, Crumunist, about how it just becomes this race to the bottom when Mm. you let these venues, like, keep undercharging Mm. and underpaying for their music. But at the same time, like... I have rent to pay, so I'm, like, mm-hmm. in this race to the bottom, as he says. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I forgot the question. I kind of went on a tangent. Oh, there. yeah. Well, I was asking you about your dreams, and you were like, um, I want to, like, get out of this system, but I... That. I And then I was like, <laughs> oh, like, what about the system? And Yeah. Yeah. I think one step I take personally towards the the system thing... I I feel like there are situations where I am an employer and I am the person making decisions about paying people and I like try and be super transparent and communicative and like I hope I overpay people. I hope that's my hope 
And I hope, I guess my dream, just to like interrupt this interview that's supposed to be about you. No, I want to hear it. (laughs) I feel like my dream is to just be able to provide people with opportunities they they want and be able to be in a place where I can like make things happen that I want to make happen and like just pay everyone enough for it you know totally like that's sort of like part of my dream anyways and I feel like part of that is financial stability um so I like do need to participate in the economy for that yeah and everyone does like we live in this system like yeah um, that doesn't mean we can't criticize it yeah yeah i remember you saying you don't imagine yourself being a song machine but what do you what do you imagine yourself being see i haven't thought that far ahead i know that i really like teaching Mm. i really really enjoy being around children for a limited amount of time (laughs) um they say such funny things it's so great they really do they're the best they're really funny um (laughs) but i i mean i do like performing and i like writing but i've always just wanted to uh write for myself and release what i want to release like i'm Mm. not a person that's gonna study the algorithm and Mm. try to figure out what'll sell like that's so I, I mean, I have to figure out a way to sustain myself then <laughs> that's a little bit more um, realistic, like mm. teaching. Mm. Um, but for in terms of like being creative, I don't feel like putting a lot of effort into being marketable. Mm. Uh, and that's the thing, because even to be or even to be like a songwriter, like someone mm. who writes songs for other people, like you have yep. to know what is selling. And there is a bunch of like algorithms and things for doing really well on Spotify Mm. and all of that. And I just don't care. I try to make myself care and I think about Mm. it and I just, I don't, which maybe means I'm never going to be like a successful musician, whatever that means. But Mm. I just, I don't care. (laughs) Yeah. I hope we can all redefine success. Yeah. I think musicianhood, being a musician, I feel like it can be so many different things and people have so many ideas about it. People are like, oh, you should be on, like, American Idol, you know? You should become famous on the internet. I don't know. People say that stuff to me all the time. Totally. (laughs) I think they say it too. Yeah. But I think it can look different for a lot of people. And I'm like, really, I feel like we should talk about it. Like, all of us together. Yeah. In this world. Yeah, and I I, I kind of like just having dreams that have to do with music that have nothing to do with money. Mm. Um, Like, I just want to release my songs. And obviously that costs money, so at some point it does. You do want to kind of break even at least. And even being able to play shows means you want people to show up, so you need money to advertise. But Mm -hmm. for the most part, I just don't want to lose the enjoyment of writing. Mm. And I did for for a while. Um, And performing, because it becomes this, like, what's marketable? What do people want? Mm. Um, but I'm realizing recently that I just don't care. Mm. (laughs) And some people do like what I do, and I think that there's an audience out there for everybody anyway. Totally, yeah, absolutely. I think there's an extra piece with being not white where there's, like, a marketability thing that's, like, interesting where you're, like, you might have access to certain stuff that might be available for quote diverse artists or whatever but also I feel like there's a bit of I remember Alicia Brella talking about this when she had a major record deal where they were like how do we brand this artist like she's brown they just like didn't know what to do sort of thing and I feel like I feel like it is 
different. There's sort of like models out there for like white artists, especially, I think. Yeah. And I think I think it does actually there's like an extra layer of something. I don't know. I'm like not very good at marketing and not very into marketing. But I think in terms of like appealing to an audience when you start to I don't know, there's like a different story to tell. And I think that can be a good thing for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think about this a lot because it because on the one hand, I do love seeing more representation and more diversity in music and especially here in Vancouver, because I don't feel like there is a lot. Yeah, it's weird, right? It's a really like... weird scene for that. <laughs> um, but at the same time, sometimes I just like I'm never going to put Filipino Canadian songwriter whatever in my bio. Oh, yeah. Ever. No, I just, and it's not that I'm not proud of my heritage mm-hmm. or whatever, but I, I don't feel like I do anything that needs to be differentiated like that. Yeah. I'm not doing anything that's like culturally based. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, for other musicians that are putting that little hyphen in their in their um, ethnicity or background in their bios, that's great. Like, I think it's it's cool mm-hmm. to, to be proud of that and to share it. But for me, I'm like, sometimes I just want to be the musician that I am. Yeah. Even in like these like forums, because I fill out a lot of forums, anything for like grants or yeah. whatever, where they ask you, because I'm like, like this bisexual woman of color, I guess. <laughs> you guess but yeah. I don't I don't know. It just feels it feels weird to tick a box. The like the queerness one is a weird one too because um I don't know. It's it's interesting to tick a box for it. Yeah. And I guess lately I've been um wow, I have so many layers of things to say. First, I'm I hope you're not um uncomfortable that I brought up that oh, you no. weren't white. No, no, it's great. Sorry. It's not something I'm uncomfortable with. I just think it's interesting that it's not something I can ever yeah. take off. It's it's just like this thing that I, I think about once in a while. I don't yeah. think it's a bad thing. Like, I'm, yeah. And I think we should be free to do whatever we want with it. But I think the branding and perception of artists, it's like intertwined with that in a way that I don't really understand yet, but yeah, that's all I was saying. Totally. I think about this a lot. I think yeah. we've had a conversation about this before, actually. Maybe. Maybe we have. Um, I was thinking about on grants, like checking boxes, and I was thinking about how, um, you know, grants are available to you because of certain identities you hold. I've received a few grants like that recently. And it's an interesting space, like, where, I don't know, I'm like, I'm like am I, like, brown enough for this? Like, am I, like, disadvantaged enough for this? Like, and does brown equal disadvantaged? Does, like, what is, why? And it, I think it is important to provide opportunities to unrepresented groups. And I think that's what it is. I think it's less being disadvantaged and more just not being represented. I guess, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I feel the same way. It's weird. It, yeah, it's super <laughs> weird. I'm like, yeah. And more so for me with like anything that has to do with being, because I still, I don't feel comfortable with taking anything that is like for queer spaces. Mm. Um, I don't know. It, it's just like a weird thing. Yeah. Background, because I guess I, I'm in a relationship with, with like a man. Like yeah. I, I'm a bisexual person, but I... Nobody would really know that if they didn't know me. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think the labels are 
they make things they make things they're very helpful mm-hmm. but they're also like a really complicated feeling for me yeah just in my head totally I think I just have one more question. Amazing. Is there anything you want to nurture or change here and now in the musical community? That is such a good question. I see because this is the crazy thing is this is something I think about Mm. um, because I do really want to be more involved in building community Mm. and especially because I'm not a person that wants to be like a famous musician. Mm -hmm. So the idea of just having spaces for people to get together is wonderful and I, I do see a lot of people doing a lot of really cool mm-hmm. work in that regard so I try to I try to support it as much as possible because I don't know mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know what I what I have to offer yet um, and that's not to say I have nothing to offer it just um, yeah it's just figuring out how to put that into what I'm already doing mm. <laughs> I don't know I'm, I'm gonna keep thinking about that um, cool. Can you think of anyone who's who's doing work who you want to mention? Locals Lounge has like a lot of cool mm. stuff going on right now. I'm sure you've seen it. Yeah, I've seen it. Is that Ian um, running that? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's nice. They're doing like that. They have like their online meetup on Zoom and mm. like a few open mic things coming up. Cool. So that's been. I think they're also going to do like a songwriting. Mm, right. I saw Tisa posting. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so that's kind of exciting. Cool. But I think for me, though, like my thing will be kind of because I feel like I'm more I'm a little bit of a shy person. Like, I I don't know how much it shows often, but like <laughs> maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. Who knows? Um, but I think because I, I really do like teaching and I like being around kids and I like encouraging especially like teenage girls into instruments that they think they can't do. Mm. Um, and also, because this is a big thing, I, I know a, a lot of my students would be very used to me doing this, of them showing any kind of, like, unsureness of what they're doing and just kind of trying to... Because I didn't have this, and I am 25 now, and I'm still really <laughs> working to um, not act like I don't know something that I know. Mm. And just that it's not even a confidence thing. It's mm. it's just interesting that like, I don't know. You don't have to pretend you don't know. It's not embarrassing if you're wrong. Like mm-hmm. it's it's fine to just to just try. Yeah. And I think that because that helps build the community later. Um, totally. Starting with like teenagers and young girls because there isn't like I, I I've seen a lot of of wonderful women and femme and non-binary musicians recently but like think about when we went to school like what mm-hmm. like four people weren't men in the program in the program yeah it was like a small handful i think your year was better than mine though maybe yeah i'm thinking of quite a few yeah i'm sure there are uh, yeah, yeah there are and it's not to say that there weren't any i just think that yeah it's nice to have that representation and to feel safe in a space because i i there are a lot of times not just in selkirk but like gigging even Mm -hmm. where I feel like I have to overcompensate what I know to be taken seriously oh yeah absolutely especially with sound people oh my god especially with sound people yeah Uh, and then your set goes well and suddenly they're so nice to you yeah but it's it's a weird thing (laughs) so I think instilling that confidence in in younger people is a really is a a space that I can occupy totally without feeling weird nervous shy that's cool I feel like we could all do that with each other, too. Like, just not be rude about people not knowing stuff. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Because we all had to learn it at one point. Yeah. 
here we are at the part of the episode where I say hello once again and also goodbye. Before I do that, I'll remind you, you can contact me to let me know what you thought of the episode, if you have other ideas you want to share. You can contact me via Instagram message. My handle is ocean.pendarker, O-C-E-A-A-N dot P-E-N-D-H-A-R-K-A-R. You can also email me at oceanpendarker at gmail.com. To close out the episode, I will play one of Carmina's tracks called Midnight, and just before that, we'll hear her saying a little bit about the song. Thank you so much again for listening, and we'll see you next time. I just really like the rawness of it. I did release like an EP after that that was like full band and Mm. really fun and really awesome, but I still go back to the just acoustic guitar recording of that song. What's it about? God, I don't even know anymore. I wrote that song so long ago. Does it mean something different now than it did when you first wrote it? It doesn't, but also it doesn't feel like my song anymore. Mm. It just feels like a song that's been there. Um, But when I wrote it, it was... Essentially, the song is about, like, finding comfort in yourself and finding, like, self-love through a sexual journey and through partnership with other people. I went to a very religious school, a lot of like shame around any kind of sexuality. And I I feel like I am a very just like naturally sensual person. Like I've never felt uncomfortable with nudity or any of that stuff. But there was that weird like pushback Mm. with everyone that I grew up with. And yeah, so Midnight is pretty much just about feeling fully myself. Catch a glimpse of you Breathe.
breathing prayers up to God that I don't believe in. I'll be your midnight choir. Don't care who's around. If you do keep a hand on my mouth, I won't make a sound. You.